Hey guys, welcome to the Fox and Burger podcast, where we bring you closer to the Asian side of the furry fandom one episode at a time. I'm your co-host Fox. And I'm Burger. In this episode, we have rating a silver fox from the US. Wow, we have uh, two fox guests in a row. I wonder how, how that happened. So rating has been in the fandom ever since 2010. He's had the interesting position of being a staff member for FC starting in 2018 and also volunteer for Infernity in 2019. Owing to this special background, we'll be asking him about his volunteer experience and also comparing and contrasting FC and Infernity. So without further ado, let's give him a big awoo. So, hey everyone, I'm Ray. All right, nice to meet you, Ray. Uh, good to have you on the podcast. You seem to be a pretty cool dude. Yeah, pretty cool if I say so myself. <laughs> yeah, Ray, uh, thanks so much for being on the show. So as always, let's talk a little bit about how you got into the fandom and your persona. Just briefly tell us about that. Yeah, um, so way back in like um, 2010, I was uh, in school in Taiwan and was looking around at various online content i actually came across some furry flash animations on newgrounds of all places and <laughs> kind of put a bunch of keywords into google and um eventually just came across furry um and it, it was right before fc actually so i came over to the u.s and um actually went straight from discovering furry to uh going to a con um as for my persona um I actually got a small little like fake foxtail uh, from an <laughs> um, underground market in Taipei. Um, and I was trying to decide on a fursona for the longest time. And eventually, uh, I just decided to be a fox and um, because I'd wear that tail around at cons. Um, <laughs> and that, that was actually a black and white foxtail. So um, I also became a silver fox kind of in, in one go. Yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to see uh, more, more foxes in the fandom. And uh, is it kind of interesting because in Taiwan, it's actually uh, not that common to be a fox. But let's move on to section two, where we talk a little bit more about uh, you, your background, the guest spotlight. So um, I really want to know more about your translation experience uh, and also general experience at Infernity as a, uh, as a volunteer, because I know you did two things. But I first want to kind of remind the audience that Infernity is a uh, con in Taiwan. And as such, English is not their primary language. So they have a uh, translation team. Um, I believe Shu is on that team. And we could probably flash these up on the screen. Shu, Malix, yours truly, Ray, and then yours truly, me, technically. And so my first question here is, what exactly do you guys do as a translation team? Like, what is it that you translate? Uh, as you said, Infernity is um, in Taiwan. A lot of the audience is you know, of course, going to be Chinese and a lot of the content is created in Chinese, but th there's still the need to, you know, create content that is consumable for international audiences because mm -hmm. it's not just Taiwanese people who are going, going to be attending the convention uh, and who, um, who the convention needs help from. Um, so basically what the translation team is here to do is primarily the pre-con work of the content and the announcements mm -hmm. that are created for the convention um, mm -hmm. have to be translated to um, to English. And there's various reasons for this. One of them is just for the international audience. Um, so for example, you can't translate to you know every single language in East and Southeast Asia um, right. for, for people to consume. So you kind of go to an mm -hmm. intermediate language 
um, that is still understandable. That being English. Right, right. Um, versus like to Korean, to um, to Thai, and to you know all sorts of various other languages. Another of the reasons is because even within Taiwan, there are still uh, foreign furs who are there for work, for education, you know, for various reasons, and they might also be interested in attending Infernity. And also finally, because to to reach a larger audience, there's uh, also a lot of attendees that come from like Europe and from the U.S. Um, mm -hmm. So in order to you know still keep them in the loop, um, you know English is also um, used to to create the content. I think that really highlights the point, and the, I guess I guess more like a fact actually that English is the sort of lingua franca of the of the world and continues to to be that way and so i always find it interesting that when i go infernity or any con abroad generally speaking most people are going to go to english as a sort of like this intermediary language that most people will choose uh to communicate with um i mean obviously there are going to be bilingual people multilingual people who can just speak the language of that country or that region but obviously, uh, English is not a bad backup language. And, and you know, I mean, matter of fact, uh, we know that uh, Berger is an English teacher. So I think that speaks to that fact. We asked the same question, though, with Simone. And I, I think it's kind of interesting, again, owing to your background as like a bilingual speaker, right? Um, and of course, you, you've done your translation work with Infernity. So the question is, what's one concept, uh, word or phrase that you found difficult to translate, whether that be for English to Chinese or Chinese to English? I think that's a very interesting question because th there's a few different parts of translation that are difficult. Um, one of the parts uh -huh. is kind of going away from the experience I just mentioned with pre-con work and over to um, like at con on-site work. Um, so right. I was imagining I'd help out with like the info desk, uh, helping like international furs who, who are there to like guide them around and translate for them. But it, it I was also put into just regular um, volunteering roles, and I found the the problem was uh, the, some of the problems I had not exactly translation related, but was just um, simply understanding what people were saying. Sometimes they used um, specific phrases, not like proper nouns, but they were using like specific mm -hmm. um, terms for like, for example, various locations without uh, throughout the convention space. And my understanding of Chinese has mostly been as I was growing up and, you know, talking with my family and mm -hmm. um, some limited uh, education from you know, formal education. Phrases such, such as auditoria, main stage, and etc. When, when they were spoken to me was not easy to understand because I was used to, mm -hmm. like, phrases that you'd hear, hear on the street, for example. One of the other problems um, going back into regular translation work is that I encountered kind of similar problems, but there were four phrases used throughout the translation. For example, like one of the things I was helping to translate was the Infernity Online. Uh, we mm. were helping to translate the Kage story hour. Right. And he used a lot of phrases that were pretty typical phrases, um, but were still a bit um, not what I was used to. So I think there was some stuff about like a tractor trailer, you know, big rig truck, but I wasn't sure the exact mm -hmm. translation in Chinese. And when I was looking up the translation, I would often find the mainland Chinese translation. And there's the difference in language between how people would speak in Taiwan and mainland China, of course. So there were um, all throughout the translation experience, there's like some slight difficulties here and there. Honestly, it's just a lot of 
Googling around and using dictionaries and figuring out exactly what, you know, the proper phrase is to use at the time. I suppose it's more likely you would find the mainland translation of it because there are more speakers of the mainland dialect, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the results that mm -hmm. Google would bring up, at least, is um, from mainland China, actually. Right. I had that trouble, too, not just with the mainland, but with, like, the Taiwanese dialect of saying certain phrases or words, you know. It's the case of La uh, Jitong versus Le Tong. <laughs> I still remember, um, supposedly, um, I heard from my mom, who's a Chinese teacher, um, but she is from Taiwan. She told me that La uh, Jitong is actually supposed to be the incorrect way of saying it, and it's supposed to be Le Se. But that might be that might be from Taiwanese roots. Um, I've yet to uh, formally confirm that myself. It's definitely a Taiwan thing. So going back into uh, your volunteer experience, can you give us a bit more detail about what your role was exactly at Infertity 2019? Basically, what I was doing was that um, as various announcements came in, uh, various parts of the website were constructed. They would be handed over to us by um, by JC. You know, us as the translation team would collaborate on either whoever is available at the time or by splitting it up into sections and translate that over to English. Um, and when complete, it would basically be added to the website or um, posted to Twitter um, by JC. And that was for the most part what the overarching um, general way that the work, well, worked. Um, going to Virtual Infernity though, it was a little bit different because of the variety of content, such as the um, Uncle Kage's story hour, uh, which required a lot more effort and a lot different way of tackling the problems. But that was, mm -hmm. that was generally how, um, how the work was like. So then also, if I'm not mistaken, even at, uh, and I'm talking about like at Infernity itself, like actually at the con, if I'm not mistaken, were you also one of those sort of like walking interpreter kind of people? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the convention work is typically split into kind of like pre-con, at-con, and post-con. Right. Um, the pre-con, of course, is kind of like the organizing everything, getting everything put together and, you know, announcements out. And the at-con would be more like operational work and, you know, responding to incidents, helping people out, you know, on site, of course. And post-con is more on the logistical side of, you know, just getting everything torn down and stored away. Generally, there's that kind of a divide. And the translation work was geared more heavily towards pre-con. But um, even then, um, there was still some at-con work to do. Um, mm. So uh, right. I was asked to help out, like, just put a few hours in. And since I already done a lot of pre-con work, it was more limited in, in time. Going on a little bit of a tangent here, but each con kind of has their own way of of organizing their schedule. Uh, in the case of FC, it's, um, it's up to the different departments and the different groups. Um, but as registration, we had this um, we had this big spreadsheet that um, I would be receiving the or I would inquire everyone for their availability and put that onto this schedule. And in the case of Infernity, um, I, it was a similar way with this um, with a large spreadsheet. And I um, honestly, it's a little bit fuzzy now, but I believe you were automatically assigned to whatever time um, available. Um, but you were able to, you know, ask for it to to be changed. 
Mm -hmm. I believe I was, I just had a bit of a role at the info desk. um, And the intent, of course, was to, you know, help out with some translation work or some odd stuff here and there. Of course, things don't always turn out as as you imagine it. (laughs) And there's a lot of on-the-fly planning with on-site convention work. Once you get involved in conventions, you kind of uh, start to understand that there's a lot of messiness and a lot of, uh, um, you know, just-in-time planning with conventions. So there was a lot of stuff switched around, and eventually um, it turned out I wasn't just doing uh, Infodesk, but I was helping out with uh, translating for Basteki's art panel. Uh, Oh. They were the guest of honor for that year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was helping with uh, a redo to... You know, because uh, they were an English speaker, so helped to translate that for the the Chinese audience, and also some odd ends here and there. Uh, I was at the opening ceremony, and I think I briefly helped out Basteki with some of the um, some of the questions before um, before it started. But yeah, it was it was a lot of odd ends here and there. Now, did you enjoy your time? And would you ever do it again for Infinity or any other convention? You know, that's a hard question. I would say at the end of the day, I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Um, But it was a little bit challenging for Infinity, at least for the on-site part. Because as I kind of alluded to previously, there's, um, despite having fluency in English, of course, but um, also a degree of fluency in Chinese, it was not as fluent as... A native speaker so there was still some mm-hmm. degree of communication barrier whenever you're volunteering on site it's hard to avoid that you know person to person uh interaction with other attendees that's kind of essential for on-site work when doing that kind of work it was there was a, a lot of challenge but the pre-con work at least was very um was was a lot easier because it gives you time when you're you know of course just collaborating through um, through a chat group, it gives you time to take messages, put them through translations and or translating software, and be able to understand what people are saying, what's being asked, and that kind of stuff. Even though there was sometimes uh, some clarification needed or uh, some degree of a language barrier, but it was still a lot easier than on-site work. Okay, so we've we've already been talking so much about Infernity. Let's move on to the next section then, where we're kind of comparing uh, FC and Infernity. My first question, though, is going to be more about Infernity because I, there's just there's just something I'm really curious about. Um, I have some statistics here that I'm pulling off of Wikifer, so hopefully their information is correct. Uh, Infernity has really grown over the years, going from looks like 62 attendees in 2015 to 1,204 in 2019, which is a phenomenal growth. And I know uh, you first attended Infernity in 2018. You also attended in 2019, as you mentioned. So my kind of question to you then is, what accounts for that phenomenal growth? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that there's a variety of factors that come into play um, Mm -hmm. in how Infernity grew. One of it is just, you know, catering to an international audience and being able to harness not only um, well, not only attendees, but also, you know, volunteering and staffing from uh, from internationally. Now, a lot of the team is still locally in Taiwan. But for example, there is um, Polar, who was on the show before, um, right. who is actually staff for Infernity, um, but of course, from from Thailand. 
And there's also a lot of uh, attendees, you know, not just from from Taiwan, but from all throughout um, Asia and also from uh, Europe and the U.S. I was trying to look for the um, the the roster before the show. They have, um, you know, the list of people who come internationally and like the the various countries that people come from. Mm -hmm. Right. But there's right. a lot of people who come not just from Taiwan. One of the things I see with FC at least is that. Um, and, and I think it's common for a lot of cons in the U.S. is that they cater to a mostly local audience. So right. they're kind of limited by how many people are local and also like some other aspects like, say, how many people the venue can support, um, you know, with how many hotel rooms that are available. It, at the end of the day, it's a very local affair. And with Infernity, though, it's there, there's a lot more people that, you know, can build the con and that can come to the con. Um, that are available. Um, so that's that's one aspect. I think some of the other aspects are like, Infernity is in general a pretty well-run con, and it's a pretty fun con. Um, mm -hmm. It's in contrast to wow. a lot of the cons in the U.S. Uh, that are the weekend plus a day or two. Um, Infernity is just over the weekend, so it, it's kind of the culture or the brand of the con is more like a, a party con, if I might say. That'll probably uh, <laughs> that might get a bad rap, and um, uh, Infernity might disagree with that. But it's a lot more of a fun con, I'd say. I want to piggyback. I just want to cut in here and kind of piggyback on the word culture that that you mentioned, um, because I also think that at least for Americans to kind of go out of your country to kind of go and explore other countries and other cultures can sometimes be a very daunting task. And for other people, they actually like that kind of exploration. And so my kind of question is that, is Taiwan this kind of country that is exotic in a way? Or is there something special or exotic about Taiwanese culture that attracts people? I, I kind of want to hear your opinions about that. So, so kind of like maybe stepping away from the con and, uh, itself, but just like overall the environment that the con lives in, so to speak. Hmm. Uh, I was just gonna mention that I guess the fact that it is at a like a fisherman's wharf kind of a luxury hotel definitely helps mm -hmm. It's got a nice location. Yeah, we, we can show some pictures. Yeah, it's got a nice location I think it's the official con photographs or at least from the uh, I think I found on their Facebook page, but there's um, they took a whole bunch of fursuit photos uh, from the parade and it just shows like the hotel as a backdrop <laughs> and uh, it, it's kind of like this, uh, not not an attraction, but it's definitely got, um, it, it builds the environment, I guess. And, you know, th when, when you walk around the area around the hotel, yeah, it's, as you said, it's a, it's a fisherman's wharf. So there's a, there, there's a kind of environment to it and, and, and an attraction to it. Uh, to kind of re-ask the question, though, uh, not to lose sight of my, my question, but my question was kind of mm -hmm. aimed at, is there something special about Taiwan in terms of like the Taiwanese people, Taiwanese culture that you think may also attract people to come to Infernity? So it's not just like the furry thing itself, but it's like, okay, this new country that I want to explore. Like, do you think that also has an effect or, or maybe do, do you want to speak to your own experiences? Oh, right. Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, I was thinking about that um, kind of before the show and of course, the other elephant in the room is that there's there's other cons in Asia, so like say J Moth or um, oh yeah, Taitos, furry peanuts, mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. I kind of think Infernity stands out because it's a 
it's a discount Japan and discount China, <laughs> so it's a lot more yeah, affordable. Yeah, I call it. Yeah, Taiwan is very. I call it like like Japan light at one point, oh. I, and I still call it that. Most mostly kidding, but uh, I I think there is some merit to it because um, mm-hmm. there there's various aspects of JMOF, and I think JMOF is a great con. I want to attend, so don't get me wrong, but I think there's some <laughs> aspects of JMOF that make it kind of limiting. Uh, one is one is the price. Japan isn't particularly expensive, but it's more expensive than Taiwan. Um, oh yeah, And another thing is the um, I'm I'm not sure how big of an aspect this plays, but the hotel at least they ran out of room for the hotels pretty early on. So I think that may have slowed things down at least in the recent years. But I hear that they're improving the situation. I can definitely vouch for when I went to 2018. Like that was definitely an issue. You you might be right to the point where they improved it, but if I could just speak a little bit about that, um, yeah, I, I think I think the hotel and the limited spaces they had because it's such a popular con um i think that really had an impact at least for that year Mm -hmm. but to get back to your point um i was thinking of like two other aspects um taiwan in general um i i heard of some statistic before it was like taiwan uh is rated or the taiwanese people are rated as like number one most friendliest people in the world um hmm. now i there may be dispute mm-hmm. among that but i mean i personally have encountered that when i went to infernity before i would also uh explore around taiwan so i went to uh taroko national park on the east coast uh it's wow. a beautiful place um i'll try to pull up some Absolutely. pictures um to uh, to to throw up but when i was there there were actually um i was going along one of the trails and i met two people who were um you know local Taiwanese people and kind of just started chatting up with them and learned that they were from Taizong uh which is on the other side of the mountain but they were um kind of you know traveling around the uh the island for once you know they've never done that before I'm guessing they've been in Taizong or the west coast their whole life or something um but they actually um they actually gave me some snacks to eat um they gave me a lift to one of the other trails I wanted to go to and um, they're really friendly people and chatting with me, um, you know, learning more about me, you know, stuff like that. And one one of the other aspects, I think, is going back to Infernity. Infernity is such a well-run and fun con. Um, it, it actually spreads around by word of mouth alone, too. So, oh yeah. for example, mm-hmm. a lot of the people from, well, maybe not a lot of people who come from the U.S., but a lot of people I know who went um, are from the West Coast. They just knew from word of mouth. Um, I think one person went in 2018 or heard about it after that year. And they and a bunch of group of friends went to uh, in, in 2019. Um, yeah, I think that was the Baztec group where I think it's kind of interesting. From what I know, Baztec uh, has been going to Taiwan for like a few years, even before right. 2019. And I believe because she's friends with Aretu and he's Taiwanese American and so he has roots in Taiwan so he he occasionally visits Taiwan. The interesting thing is that they didn't even know Infernity existed. And so literally just I I guess I don't know how they found out about Infernity but just maybe Baztec or Aretu told the that particular group about Infernity and then I think after that they told other friends and so like I definitely can see like that word of mouth like uh being being at play there. Yeah, and eventually the larger group of friends, uh, was it Fli- uh, Flip Bunny and... Mm-hmm. Um, Ruka, Toki. Yeah, yeah they, they all um, also went along. Shout out to those guys. Yeah, great people. Um, basically, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It has a good rap about it. Um, and 
you know, it also goes around by word of mouth alone. Now, are there any differences in attendee or fursuit interaction? For example, you know, in the West, generally speaking, hugs are a common way to express a greeting or show your affection. Uh, it's basically the saying, you know, hugs are the handshakes of for in the furry fandom. So is that the same way at, at like Infernity? I would say that there is some slight difference there from from what I've experienced. Taiwanese furs are still pretty uh, um, sociable and accepting of hugs and the like, but I feel like there, there's kind of a cultural difference in that um, fursuits mm. in in Asia are kind of uh, you know for some people it's it's also to become your persona like like in Western culture often, um, but there's also some degree of like the the fursuit is a work of art, and you're mm. you're kind of going around not just to to interact with people and to you know do shenanigans with friends and you know <laughs> uh, be pick people up or get picked up and thrown around like um you'd often see with you know some some furry content from from western cons of people like you know goofing around um but i feel like i see that less so at least when i've been to infernity and it's more like the fursuits are yeah they're like a, a work of art and you kind of go around and th there's like a there's a few fursuit examples i know but they kind of have a whole costume and they have like props to them and they're kind of there for the aesthetics or they're um they have some sort of a i'm not i'm not sure if show is the right word but they basically are kind of like presenting themselves and it's it's kind of less so about like interacting with other attendees I guess a way to say that is it's more about performance. Yeah. Um, mm. Like there's a, I remember there was a, now of course there are examples of this in, in, in cons in the US, for example. Um, but I, I just, what comes to mind is there was a, there was a cat fursuit that like won some sort of an award at JMOF for being like the best appearance or best um, theming or something like that. But then they have this whole like, costume to them not not just with the fursuit but they have like a dress they have like steampunk goggles and like a um, leather bag or something like that and there's there's a bit of show and aesthetics to it yeah all right with that being said um just want to quickly note it's not to say that you know Taiwanese furries just don't do hugs or anything but I think it's more of a um th there's some slight differences to to um at least to fursuiting for example it's the difference between how friendly or playful you could be around Taiwanese fursuiters versus more Western fursuiters in America, Canada, Europe, all that. Mm -hmm. uh, On to another subject, actually. Are there any differences in the dealer's den or artist alley? Are there any difference in content, the way it's scheduled? What's uh, Because I've heard that there are differences with the way that JMOF does their Artist Alley and Dealer's Dan, rather than in the West. Is that the same case with Infernity? I was actually just reminded of that, and I was trying to look it up earlier. Um, I could have sworn the Dealer's Den at Infernity was only open for a brief period of time at like a certain hour of the day, and everyone rushed to get in. But it, <laughs> I was looking it up, and it seemed like it's actually open for most of the cons, so I might be remembering um if that mm -hmm. was only for 2018 because i was looking at the 2019 schedule just to address the question first so for dealers den uh it's a lot different in that it's it's a lot smaller 
So there's only like, mm. say, roughly number, let's say like 10 or 20 vendors in there. I'm pretty sure it's more, but they're in like uh, one or two like large conference rooms. Um, but then versus like FC, at least I know FC is a whole different scale. It's like four times that lo as large, like six largest convention in the world. The dealer's den is like two huge like meeting halls that are like right next to each other. And there's like a hundred, 200 vendors in there. Um, and it's just a huge number. But then the Infernity Vendor Hall or Dealer's Den just seems to be a lot smaller. And at least whenever I go in there, it seems like there's nothing for sale because everyone's already bought it first. <laughs> so that's at Blame least one of the... the super sponsors. Because <laughs> they get in first, right? Yeah. Uh, lucky people. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's just one of the immediate differences that, that stand out to me. Um, it, and that kind of bleeds into scheduling, at least. I feel like there's... A huge difference in how Infernity is scheduled, and I'm not sure if this is also for other um, Asian cons, but it seems like everything is done in serial versus I would I would actually argue all U.S. cons have the schedule in parallel. So, for example, during first suit parade, during the opening ceremonies or closing ceremonies or stuff like that, there'd be other events going on. There'd be talks going on. There'd be um, you know various events happening. And it's kind of just a fact of life that or, or someone's trying to host a party or a panel and it's like, oh, sorry, that uh, someone can't attend because they're at the first suit parade or something like that. And you kind of have to schedule yeah. around what's going on. And there's just a whole bunch of stuff happening at the same time. Um, but with Infernity, it seems to be everything is in um, almost in serial. Like there's the opening ceremony and then afterwards starts to have the panels. And then um, I think they expanded significantly this year. So there are two panels now at the same time but it used to be like mm. only one i believe at least in 18. yeah yeah um yeah and then all the other events would also like follow like that in in serial after one after another kind of format i could have sworn dealer's den was also um you know at, at a certain time of day after after various other events ended but um it seems like i'm wrong for 2019 at least uh, before we get to the next question, that actually reminds me of when I went to Fermit, just because they had their, even though it's just a one-day convention, uh, they had a more serial layout with their schedule as well. You know, you had your mm -hmm. registration, opening ceremonies, you had some panels, and you had some stuff that first readers could do that made them look all cute and stuff. Then it went to closing ceremonies. Then it had a couple more panels, and then it went to KTV and dance party, and then that was it. Yeah, I, I think that this talk about serial is interesting because uh, I haven't actually thought hard about it, but I think I think Ray uh, speaks the truth, and I, th I think uh, well, we could probably just try to flash a schedule or whatever if we if we have one. But um, yeah, I think that Infernity and also Fermit seem to focus more of having events in serial, and I also well, at least for Fermit, I think that probably because of the numbers um you know they I, I i think that if you have two events going at the same time you're good you're gonna split an already somewhat small number i guess uh into two events mm -hmm. which may not necessarily be the best thing at least for Fermit, because they're newer right infernity's bigger than Fermit, so at least that's just my guess now changing gears uh let's get a bit behind the scenes without getting too confidential <clears throat> Uh, since we know you work for both FC as registration staff uh, and also a volunteer for Infernity as a translator and such, 
Can you tell us what are the ways in which Infernity differs in how it's run compared to FC, you know, behind the scenes? Yeah, so that is a great question. Uh, and I think it there's a lot more differences than there are similarities, kind of just going into general Infernity and FC differences. Um, but in, in the way that it runs, at least one of the really unique things with FC is that it's a it's a lot more of a kind of a corporate way that it works in terms of mm. like similar to a lot of other cons there's a 501c3 nonprofit behind it but there's also um there's a whole like board of directors and a whole organization structure um behind it and there's it's it, there's a lot more of a formal um structured feel to it now of course how things end up working and you know how how things are put together is you know still has the the volunteerness to it it's not like uh it's like a well-funded operation or anything um so it's still like a lot of informality a lot of like get it done versus like corporate bureaucracy um but there it, it's a whole different um attitude to it um I, f I feel like there's a lot of other cons that you know, equating it to kind of a um a fermi or like a a, a party may is is not exactly uh one-to-one -one. But for for the sake of this comparison, it, it's kind of like there's a, a single person that organizes it, or maybe like a few people. Um, but it's kind of like they're they're organizing it year over year. But with with FC, it's kind of like there's a there's a different chairman or or chairwoman who is presiding over the convention, and that changes year after year. So it's more of like there it, it's more um, by a, a group of executives rather than um, rather than like a single person presiding over it. With Infernity, I feel like the organization is more uh, central um, versus versus FC. You kind of distribute it out to the different departments. Like there's a, um, a business department for handling all things money. There's like marketing department for, well, just social media communications and, you know, c collaborating with like the, the local um, businesses to get discounts and stuff like that. There's programming for, you know, setting up the schedule and um, different events. I'm sure there's the same thing at Infernity, but it seems also much more um, organized by a few people. So it's kind of like the, the lines are right. a lot more blurred versus, um, you know, hard segmented um, departments with specific roles. Now, of course, at FC, the there may be these discrete departments, but it, it, it's not really like red tape preventing you from working across the lines. But there's a lot more of a kind of a defined, like these are the different groups that are out there. Hmm. I guess the way you described it is almost like a reflection of the culture of whatever country is present and holding that convention. Without going into too much detail, uh, you kind of described Western and U.S. cons as more like a representative democracy, and Taiwan is more of like a centralized bureaucratic democracy in a way. Yeah, like centralized control and centralized, uh, um, well, yeah, like con control structure. So we talked a lot about Infernity, we talked about FC, and we also compared these two cons. But our last question for you today, Ray, is actually more of a personal question. And that's, what's one favorable moment that you had at Infernity? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, after talking about all this volunteering stuff, I'm going to uh, kind of switch gears a little bit. And my favorite moment at Infernity is um, not not exactly a particular moment either, but with both um, Infernity 2018 and 2019 and like my experiences at Infernity, um, 
one of my favorite moments across them is that I meet people who almost live down the street in the Bay Area, but I meet them halfway around the world at Infernity of all places instead of FC or a local meetup. And mm. they're totally great people. And um, I make these really awesome uh, uh, lasting friendships. Um, and they're with people who are local in the Bay Area and I end up meeting them halfway around the world. It's it's the most craziest thing, um, but I think it kind of goes to show how awesome Infernity is. It you know attracts you know really cool people. I absolutely agree. Um, I I I think like to kind of add my own thoughts, if that's okay. I I think like I have similar uh, sentiments about that. And for me though, I'm I'm kind of emphasizing the sort of like internationality of Infernity, and we talked a lot about that in this episode where it attracts such a an amazing diverse international crowd and i mean that's actually when i met you i, I met you at infinity in um what was it 2018 and i'm actually sad that you said i'm, I'm very sad that you that, that you didn't say that oh my favorite moment was that i got to meet michael i was like oh okay i i, 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 I died on the inside no no but i think what you said is absolutely true um where well for for your case where it's like you know you can meet someone in your own local area, but then meeting them abroad is, is, is just as fun. I, th I think that's really cool. I think that's one of the best things about the furry community, honestly, that it basically feels like a community where you can just meet people and really enjoy yourself. Now, once again, thank you so much, Ray, for joining us today. Thank you for talking about not only your experience at Infernity, but also at FC, how that differs from Infernity in terms of organization, management, memories and community we hope that you viewers have gleaned some insights from this episode uh before we go go ahead and tell us your social media how do you want people to find you on the internet ray yeah absolutely um so i'm on twitter at ray ting tw and i post there on some travels and some cool stuff i'm working on and you can follow me there Okay, and that's about it for this episode. Thank you for listening. This has been the Fox and Burger podcast with me, uh, Burger. And I'm Fox. And we will see you again in the next time. A goodbye.